0: morning. Glad you've joined us for the last part of this sermon series uh, on the Lord's Prayer. Every week I've told you this is the most known scripture in the whole of Bible. It is the most studied scripture. Uh, I would say most non-Christian people in, the, in, in in America would know the Lord's Prayer. They would probably be able to recite it, yet they don't believe it. Okay. So, some, we're going to do a little bit of overview. Seeing as this is the end of the six weeks, I'm going I'm, to. I'm, some people haven't been here every week, or some people missed and didn't hear it. So, we're going to do uh, some overview of this last uh, five weeks. It only takes seventeen seconds to pray the Lord's prayer. 17 seconds you can pray the Lord's Prayer. And now I've just spent six weeks talking about it. But it takes a lifetime to learn it. It takes a lifetime to live it out. And so for the past weeks, we've we've been unpacking this Lord's Prayer. You see, it begins with this salutation to God, our Father who is in heaven. You see, we pray to a heavenly Father who is in Comprehensible, powerful, and he's loving and forgiving, and he's beyond any comprehension. See, that is the difference between God our Father and any earthly father that's ever existed. We're never going to understand God fully because he's God. See, remember, we do not pray in our name. We don't pray in our name. We pray in our Father's name. And then after that, it's followed by seven petitions. The first petition is, hallowed be your name. You see, there are more than 400 names for God in Scripture. Each one reveals a piece of his personality, a dimension of his character. You see, we petition by the power of those names. And when we pray, we are praying In the authority of the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. No name is like that. And that is who we're praying to and with. You see, that's where our confidence comes from. Your confidence when you pray should be praying in the name of Jesus. Praying to the God who created everything in this universe. That's the confidence we should have. When we pray, that is the confidence we should have when we live out our lives. And then petition to Your Kingdom come. Your Kingdom come is saying, "Hey, I'm on the throne and I'm doing a lousy job of ruling my life, and I'm ruining my life. I need to get off the throne of my life and sit the God who is supposed to be on the on the throne of your li- of your life." there we are praying that god's plans and god's purposes would prevail over our plans and our purposes see we all have plans and purposes and not all of them are bad but we're actually praying god if you've got a better plan for me i want to do that i want to i want you to get involved i want to be used by you god Petition three, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, when we pray this part of the prayer, we're praying precisely the way Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. This this is what Jesus was praying right before he went to the cross. See, remember, he said, take this cup from me. It was a cup of suffering. He knew what was about to happen but he prayed it anyway. He knew the pain and suffering. He prayed it sweating blood. See, I have learned to pray this prayer. It takes a little bit of courage to pray, your will be done, not my will. Because God's will may mean that I'm going to be in pain. God's will maybe mean that I've got to go through something. God's will maybe mean that I get cancer or I get sick and I'm going to be in the hospital. God's will doesn't mean everything's going to go hunky-dory. God is going to use what he allows to come into your life. And now it's how you handle that. Because if you're praying for God's will to be done in your life, you are gonna look at it a whole different way than poor me. Jesus knew what he was going through in the garden, yet he still did it. What we're praying is that heaven would literally invade earth. See, in heaven, the lion is gonna lay down with the lamb. We're praying. We're, we're praying for reconciliation of all things. You know what's in the garden, before sin entered, before chapter 3 of, of Genesis, in the garden, lions hung out with us. They wouldn't eat us. Elephants hung out with us. They didn't stomp on us. The, the animals, everybody got along. Not like 2021. Nobody gets along. You know... That is what we're praying for. That kind of of life. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. In heaven, there's no more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more pain. That is what we're praying for. That kind of peace is what we want. We're praying for healing, we're praying for deliverance. We're praying for peace that passes all understanding and we're praying for a joy that is that is unspeakable. You see the joy that we can get from God passes all of joys it's not a joy that if I have this I'm going to be happy happy it's a joy saying no matter what I have I'm happy I'm at peace because I know who is in charge of my life and I know who is taking care of me petition four is: Give us this day, give us today our daily bread. See, we are praying that God will provide for us. You see, we go back to the beginning. God is a faithful father. He is our father in heaven. And he is good. There is no bad in in this father. So as a good father, he's going to provide everything his children need. We are his children. So he is going to take care of us. We're praying for him to provide for us. And like I said when I talked about this, not each day. He does it moment by moment. He gives you what you need in the moment. He doesn't tell you and say, hey, I've got, he tells you he's got you covered for tomorrow. You see, at this prayer, this point of the prayer is saying, why do I worry so much? Why do I worry so much if I believe the Bible? How many people, people in there will say they believe the Bible? Put your hands up. Everybody. So if we say we believe the Bible, okay, if we say we believe it, why do we worry? I'm not saying that I don't worry because I do. But if we believe what's in Scripture... That God is going to take care of us. That God is going to provide for us. Why do we worry so much? Why do we worry so much? Petition five. Forgive us our debt as we also forgive others. This is a a petition for forgiveness. You know, I talked about it. People don't like talking about repentance and I don't understand why we don't like talking about it. We've already been forgiven. God knows everything that you've done. Why are you afraid to talk to him about it? Why are we afraid to go to him and confess our sins to him? We pretend like we're perfect. Yet he knows we're not. You see, we don't seek forgiveness from God because he needs to know that, that 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 what we've done. He already knows what we've done. We seek it so we confess it so we know what we've done. It's already been forgiven. He said when he was nailed to the cross, his last words were, it is forgiven finished. He didn't say, it's nearly finished. You do the rest. He said, it was finished. You can't add nothing, absolutely nothing to it. It is finished. This is a prayer where we go to God and say, hey, God, take this away from me. I'm giving this to you. Petition six. Lead us not into temptation. We're praying that God would guide us. Would guide us. God would give us his GPS. Not the GPS's that are on your phone and in your car. That always take you the long way round. I mean... Turn left, turn left, turn left, turn left. Now turn right. And you're going in a circle, it seems like. You know, that road there was open. I could have just drove straight to it. But but, but God's GPS is what we want. We want God to put us on a path of righteousness. We want God to show us the way. And finally, petition seven, deliver us from evil. See, we are asking God to set us captives free, no matter what the bondage, no matter what the addiction. The only person that can free you is God. The only person. You have to put all of your faith in him. In him. This is what we're learning. This is what we've been praying. He is the God who is singing songs, Psalms 32 says, of deliverance all around us. All of the time. How beautiful is that? God is singing songs of deliverance. All around us. This is what the scripture says. So today. We've prayed. What do we do? Well I've got a little story to tell you. To say George Frederick Handel was one of history's greatest composers is an understatement. Even Beethoven, even Beethoven said to him, I bow thy knee. That's how great he was. He wrote 42 operas, 29 oratorios, and 120 can, can, uh, cantatas. Yeah, I thought that was something I could go order at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> but, 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 but by the age of 56, he was past his composing problem. He did all that by age 56. He's amazing. He was depressed, though. He was in debt, and a stroke limited him to the use of his right hand. He's a composer. He usually, you like need your hands if you're sitting in front of a piano composing music. He was struggling to say relevant, which is ironic because guess what he was about to do? He was about to write a timeless piece of music. See, on August 21st, 1741, Handel started composing. For the next three weeks, he would not leave his house he rarely left his composing chair. 21 days later, he would emerge with perhaps the most performed piece of music in Western history. A 260-page composition called The Messiah. See, on the last page, and he would write this often, he wrote these initials, S-D-G, Sole Dea Gloria. You see, to God alone be the glory. And I told you all of that to tell you this. You need to pray. You should pray. I'm not telling you not to pray. We need to pray more. But we cannot just pray. We cannot just pray. We have to pray like it depends on God. But we ha- at some point, we have to work like it depends on us. You have to get to amen. Once you get to amen, amen is not the end of the prayer. Amen is agreement to what you've just prayed. That's what amen means. It means I agree. That means when you say amen... It means you're saying, I agree with what was just prayed for. When people shout amen in a sermon, they better be agreeing with what was just said or they're just spouting words. Amen means I am in agreement with it. So after we've got to amen, amen is not the end of the prayer. It is the beginning of obedience. You have to stop praying at some point, And you have to start composing. You have to start composing. You see, we want to pray about it. And we want to be done with it. That's what we want to do. We want to lay down, kneel down, stand up, whatever it is you pray in. Sit down, whatever position, all positions are in the scriptures. So it doesn't matter. But we want to... We want to get there, pray it, and forget about it. We want to pray it, give it to God, and that is the end of it. We've done our daily duty. We've, we've, but that's a fundamental misunderstanding when it comes to prayer. It doesn't work that way. You can't just pray like it depends on God. You have to work like it depends on you. we want God to answer our prayers without personal involvement. We want to pray, but not do anything about what we're praying about. You see, yes, we want God to answer our prayers without getting our hands dirty. It's like anything in life, you're going to get your hands dirty. Without having to inconvenience ourselves, because it's, When you say, I can pray about that, maybe God is saying, I want you to do something about it. You see, we want to, we don't want to inconvenience ourselves. We don't want, we want to have no sacrifice, anything. But here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. So this might change your prayer life now. Okay, whatever you're praying about, whatever you're praying about, have you got that? You're volunteering for. You're volunteering for. So whatever you're praying about, you are volunteering for. Remember that before you pray. Maybe you won't pray some of the stuff you pray now. Maybe you'll pray even harder. I don't know. But whatever you're praying about, you're volunteering for. When you pray, I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, guess whose God is going to use to answer that prayer? He's going to use you. He's going to use you. You see, prayer changes us. Prayer changes If prayer isn't changing you, there's something wrong. Everybody here at one, one time prayed to God and asked them for, ask God for salvation everyone everyone is a Christian at some point in their life prayed that first prayer and spoke to God and said I give my life to you I've screwed my life up God you take over and at that point you started to change you can't change without it At that point, God started working in your life and changing you. Maybe it took time. Maybe it's still taking a lot of time. But God isn't finished with you yet because you're still breathing. You're still breathing. And if God doesn't want to use you, he would have just... As soon as I professed, the first Sunday of 2003, the the day I professed that I believed... There was a God, and that Jesus came and died for my sin. He lived a life that I could not live. He died a death that I should have died. I personally believe that it should have been me being nailed to the cross. But I personally believe that if it wasn't, if it wasn't, if it was me, I wouldn't be where I am today, and I wouldn't be able to go to heaven because I don't deserve it. A sinless man had to live a life. That I could not live. He had to die a death that I deserved. And I believe that I deserved what Jesus went through. And I also believe everybody deserves what Jesus went through. Because we are rebellious sinners. But Jesus paid the price for us. And then he rose so we can have everlasting life. So he could change you. When I accepted all of that, if he didn't have something for me to do, he would have said, hey, Ed, come up here. You don't need to live on earth anymore. You can just climb up this ladder like Jacob and come see me. It's a long ladder. But you can come hang out with me because you don't need to be there anymore. But he didn't do that, did he? I'm still here. God's still using me. God still, I pray God uses me. Guess what? He wants to do the same in your life. Prayer changes us. So you could take any relationship. If you're in a relationship, you've been married for a long time. Are you the same person you was when you met that person? No, because you're in a relationship with somebody, a bit of each other rubbed off on each other, maybe some of the good, some of the bad. But now you are different. If you are in a relationship with God, which means you read scripture and you talk to him by praying, guess what? It's going to change you. Prayer changes us because that is how we have a relationship with our Lord and Savior. John 14, 12 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. See, we are the hands and feet. We are the hands and feet of God. I was reading, there's a guy, and I'm not going to say his last name because I don't know how to pronounce it, but his name's Nick, and he's an Australian american preacher it's like no jivak or whatever but anyway doesn't matter what his last name is he's got no arms and legs and god is using him to grow god's kingdom doesn't that convict you because it convicted me when i read about him He's got no arms and legs and he's doing more for God than I am and I've got functioning arms and legs. There's a problem with that. That convicted me because we are the hands and feet of God. Do you know what? Some people in this world, you are the only Bible, you are the only person that is going to introduce them to Christ. You are the only person that can pray for them, but you can't just pray for somebody and not do something. Jesus never showed up and just prayed for somebody. You know, actually, if you look at all, the, all of Jesus' testimony, do you know how Jesus, Jesus ministered? Do you know what Jesus did? He showed up, right? He was there. A blind man comes. He's not supposed to heal because it's the Sabbath. But what does he do? He doesn't talk about who he is. He picks up some mud, spits on it, and rubs it on his eyes and heals the guy. He meets a need. He meets a need. Maybe that's what you need to do. When you pray for somebody, you can meet people's needs. You pray. you know? Okay, we are the hands and feet. Another we, we support Gospel for Asia, okay? We should pray for Gospel for Asia. But if you're not digging into your wallet, okay, and supporting Gospel for Asia, you really aren't doing anything. You are praying that somebody else will make a sacrifice because I don't want to give up any of my stuff. It's the same thing with our church. If you pray for this church to be a successful ministry, yet you're not providing means like you're not helping, whether it's time, talent, treasures, okay, how do you expect the kingdom to grow? God's gonna use what he gave you. God's gonna use what he gave you to grow his kingdom. John, first John says this: 220, 1 John 2:27. But that anointing that you receive, but the, the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as he is, his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as he has taught you, abide in him. Who are we supposed to abide in? We're supposed to abide in God. The Spirit lives in you. When you accepted Christ, okay? You got, you got the spirit. See, at birth, when, when, G, when God knitted you together in, 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 in the mother's womb, he gave you talent. He gave you abilities that, that, that he mixed around here. He, he did a little bit of mixing here. And he made you to be you. He gave you certain talents and gifts. And everybody has some. Some people have more than others. But everybody has gifts. But guess what? When you were reborn, when you accepted Christ into your life, he either amped up the gifts he'd already gave you, or he he awakened the gifts that he gave you so he could use them. I believe one of my gifts, people around me don't think so, but I believe my whole persona, my whole Everything about me, my loudness, everything was a gift from God because he knew what he was going to do later in life. I annoyed the crap out of a lot of people. But he knew, hey, he's going to be loud. I'm going to use him down the road. He is a very passionate person. I'm going to use that down the road. It might annoy a lot of people before I... He accepts Christ and he he puts the spark in, in that talent. But he cultivated it and I cultivated it. I didn't sit back and let God just cultivate me. I read. I had a relationship. I have a relationship with God. I found books that would help me grow and cultivate what he'd already given me. Are you cultivating the talents and gifts that he gave you? Are you using him... Them to grow your kingdom or are you using them to grow his kingdom? Because your kingdom's going to burn and perish. His kingdom's going to live forever. See, we're supposed to cultivate our abilities. We're supposed to use the God-given abilities that he has given us to answer some of them prayers that we are praying. Everybody in here has a gift. Are you using it? Are you cultivating it? Or are you just sitting there waiting for everybody else to do everything? Are you waiting for everybody else to answer them prayers? Remember, when you pray, when you pray, it means you're praying to get involved. It means you're praying to do something. So it, 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 if you don't get involved in the stuff you pray for, starting, I think it's next month or the month after, it seems early, but the, the boxes, Christmas box, child boxes. If you only pray for them boxes and you don't pack one or you don't help send them, what are you actually doing? What are you actually doing? You're asking God to bless something that you won't even get involved in. We do it all the time. Ephesians 2:10 says this, "For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works." So anybody who says we don't have works to do is mistaken because the Bible says we were created for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That means when you he God was knitting you together. I always love picturing him knitting. God's knitting away. He was having fun when he knitted me together. And he knit, knitted me together and 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 he had prepared before I was even born, before my mother ever fed me, he knew what I was going to do. He knew I was going to be standing here. He knew he had plans for my life. I mean, how amazing when you really think about it. I love, I'm from England, and I am standing in Rockford, Illinois, preaching God's word. That he had, this blows my mind, that he planned that. He planned that. He had my dad move from England to America. You know, he, he did, we didn't come with him, but he moved to America. But you see, here's the thing is, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that's how he needed to get me here. See, my dad plays a big part other than helping create me. He plays a big part in me being able to be here today. God used my dad to get me to America. To get me to Rockford, Illinois, of all places. I would have preferred Louisiana, but I'll take Rockford, Illinois. And I love America, but I'm saying I'm here because of what God had planned for me. He, he had work for me to do. You see, people go, well, we're saved by faith, 100% saved by faith. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. James is not in contradictory with Paul when he writes, without work, there is no faith. Because I'm going to tell you, if you've accepted Christ into your life, if the Holy Spirit lives within you, I believe we're only saved by faith. But once I have put my faith in Christ, I will want to please him and do good works for him. I will want to be a part of his plan. Not because I have to. I get to. I can't believe that. That blows my mind. I know who I am. And God wants to use me. He wants to use you. You know who you are. Can you believe that? That God would use somebody like you? You wouldn't even use somebody like you. But he wants to use you. Because then, guess where the glory has to go? Write to him. Write to him because this isn't me. It's all him. I've allowed it. Have I done some work to get here? Obviously. But without the grace of God, I couldn't be here. But I have got prayer journals that I've wrote serious prayers in. And and if I look back in them prayers, guess what? Guess who God used to answer most of them? Me. He's doing the same in your life if you'll allow him. So you've got homework. What are you going to stop praying about? What amazing prayer homework I'm giving you. What are you going to stop praying about? Because if you're not going to do something about it, I want you to stop praying about it. Because you need to stop praying about it and start doing something. Start doing something. Use your life to grow a kingdom that will last forever. We are a dash on a tombstone when we die. My goal is to live a life that glorifies the king and then be forgotten. I don't get it. My next generation forgets me. I'm okay with that. As long as they know Jesus. As long as they know Jesus. And finally, someone, somewhere, someone, somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. Somebody out there is waiting for something, and God wants you to do something about it. He wants to move you. So I want you to not stop praying fervently. I want you to pray harder than you've ever prayed before. But when you get to amen, start working on answering the prayers. Start working for God to use you and your abilities. Because this prayer, by the way, is a us thing if you read the prayer, it says, are, us. So it's talking about a family, a group of people, a group of people like us, a brothers and sisters who are in the most dysfunctional family ever, but still love each other, still care about each other, still want to help each other. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you did teach us the Lord's Prayer, God. You taught taught us not how to pray only, but how to live. That is not just a prayer, God. It's a way of life. Help us, God, to live each day the way you taught us to live it in the Lord's Prayer, but help us to pray the way you taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, God. And help us to not just pray and forget. Help us to use our gifts and talents and time and everything that you have given us, God, to grow your kingdom, not ours. To, 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 To introduce more people to your love and your grace. I just pray God you can pour that out upon us that you can pour your love mercy and grace upon this group today I thank you in Jesus name I pray amen
1: look around you there's so much work to do this world is in no condition for us to simply sit back and watch. There is a tangible, desperate need for Jesus. A glimpse of hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus experienced this. He saw it firsthand. The need broke his heart and filled him with compassion. He turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This alone should stir our hearts. It's a calling. A calling to make a difference. To share the truth of the gospel. To be a light in the darkness. To be the church it's time for us to look beyond ourselves to turn our focus to the field to answer the call and passionately share the love of Jesus this is our mandate this is our mission are you ready to do the work